Hello, welcome to Cornerstone College Ministries podcast. We are the college ministry out of Stillwater Bible Church, and we want to be a ministry that's full of mature believers who are helping believers to mature. You're joining us during our study on Sunday mornings of the letter of 2 Timothy. This is where the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, encouraging him to stand strong in the face of apathy and persecution that he's experiencing. I hope that you are as encouraged as I am as we go through this book verse by verse. Yeah, we're going verse by verse through this book this semester. We go verse by verse so that we can get the full context of what's being said here. We don't just pull a verse there, verse there, make it say what we want, but we get the full context of what's being said. We see Paul, who's encouraging Timothy, right? It's a letter to Timothy. He's encouraging him to stand strong. You see, Timothy's having a lot of temptation um, to be timid and apathetic in his faith, ultimately, is what's happening. And the culture is against Christianity, and it seems shameful to be a Christian, People like Paul are being imprisoned and executed, actually. Um, but Paul reminds Timothy that he needs to stand strong in Christ and train others up in God's word. And by training people up, that will combat the apathy that's taking hold in the church um, and rapidly growing. Okay. So last week we saw three examples of kind of perspectives in the Christian life. What were the three examples we saw? Can you remember? Soldier. Soldier, yes. Farmer. Farmer. And? Athlete. Athlete, yes. Um, soldier, farmer, athlete, right? Different ways and perspectives of Christian life. Soldier, we're, we're Christ's, uh, in Christ's army and we're enlisted, right? We're active duty, so to speak, um, the moment we believe in Christ for eternal life. And then um, we want to be a good soldier to please um, the one who enlisted us. Talk about how we're an athlete, we need to run the race for the prize, right? Run the race according to the rules, let's know the rules of the word. And then we talked about um, how we're like a farmer doing these menial daily tasks to upkeep right, our Christian life, to upkeep, and eventually we'll see the fruit of that, right? We'll see the, the produce, so to speak. Um, and so um, he, he was telling Timothy to suffer alongside him for the gospel, and the daily tasks serving Christ will be rewarded. And then Paul ends with this verse, 2 Timothy 2, 7. He says, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So when we meditate on these examples that Paul gives, we actually see there's a lot of application in them. There's a lot of stuff we can get out of them. It's the same with the rest of Scripture. When you decide to dig into it, there's so much rich application in there, more than we can do on a Sunday morning. Right? Uh, so hopefully you get some great applications from the Word on Sundays when you come, or, or Tuesdays when you go to a Bible study, but your deepest applications are going to come from your own personal study. Right? That's where you're going to be able to dig into it a lot more. Um, so that's what he talks about. Consider what I say. Think about this. Meditate on it so that the Lord will give you understanding and all that is said there. So now we're going to move on to another command, a couple of examples, and a short saying that kind of Paul goes over this morning. Um, but what we're going to see is that Paul's going to link them all together with a theme, that theme is resurrection and rewards. Resurrection and rewards. Um, so, I'm going to read 2 Timothy, if I can get to it. Um, 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13. It says this, <clears throat> Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who were chosen, so that they may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Lord, 
We thank you so much for your word and how much rich application we can get out of it. I pray that this morning that you would just be um, uh, teaching all of us through your word to be encouraged or convicted as needed, that it wouldn't be me up here just speaking, but that you would be speaking um, through me and that your word would reach uh, each one of us um, down in our souls, Lord. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay. So anybody here like watching um, zombie movies or zombie TV shows? Okay, yeah, well, three of us can, can relate. Um, uh, I, had, um, I had my fair share of, of, of TV shows and movies I've seen people kind of die and, like, sort of come back to life, right? Like, a, like kind of, maybe. Um, they call them the undead, right? And who would want to come back to life as a zombie, though, for, like, for real, right? Uh, no one? Okay, good. I was putting at least a couple, like, sarcastic hands. I didn't even get that this time. So no one really wants to come back as a zombie. Like, what kind of life is that? Is that even a life? Um, if that's what I knew was in store for me, like I was going to die and I'd come back as a zombie, then I might lose all motivation in life. That was just the end of what was going to happen to me. But the Bible says that we're going to come back to life. It says we've been given new life as believers, eternal life. We're born again the moment we believe, and we have eternal life that moment we place our faith in Christ. And we know that one day after our bodies die, we're brought back to life into bodies that are perfect, right? glorified bodies what they're called. Much better than what we envision with zombies, right? Not like an arm missing and like green or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and ever play Plants vs. Zombies? Oh, yeah, a lot more hands that time. Um, so, uh, and that was off track. But um, um, bodies that are glorified, right? No sin, no corruption, no weird pains in our knee that come back every six months, right? Like that's just not going to happen anymore. Paul's going to mention Christ's resurrection, right? But not without a purpose. There's a reason why he mentions it. Um, and we're going to see that as we go into this letter with, uh, to Timothy. So look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. <clears throat> remember, this is a command. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. <clears throat> so we just came out of Paul saying to suffer and to serve. Right? He says, Suffer with me for the gospel and serve in these ways. Right? And show, to lay down your lives daily to please God. He's talking about rewards, right? We know that salvation itself is a free gift. Right, Romans 4 talks about that. Um, we see um, Romans 4 talks about who, or Romans 4, 5, the one who does not work but believes in him and justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. So our faith is credited as righteousness. That's the one who works we're righteous. We can't do enough to be good. It's through our faith in Christ. Right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What do you have to do to have eternal life, according to that verse? Believe, right? Who says? And so, um, yeah, so that's what we see there. And so he says to lay down, to suffer, to serve. That's what he wants us to do. You have a question? So you said faithfulness is by righteous righteousness. It's, it's Romans 4, 5 I was quoting. Oh. I believe it's 4, 5. Um, but, yeah, so it's uh, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith <laughs> is credited as righteousness. So our faith makes us righteous, right? Um, <clears throat> So uh, he says to remember Christ here then. Right? So he goes from this how to suffer, how to serve. Um, now he says remember Christ. Christ is our highest example, right? our highest example of giving up your own life and your own wants in service to God. When it mentions Christ risen from the dead, right? this is the only time that Paul uses in this entire letter, Jesus Christ in that order. It's always been Christ Jesus everywhere else. In the Greek, in the original um, manuscripts, it's always Christ Jesus until here. And he says Jesus Christ. Now, why do you think he would mention Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus? What does the word Christ mean? Anointed one. Anointed one. What does the word Jesus mean? Uh, 
<laughs> Savior, but also it was the name Joshua, right? Same name in the Old Testament, Hebrew, Joshua. It's his name, Jesus Christ. It's human as you here on earth, Jesus Christ. So what do you think it means then if he emphasizing Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus? What is he probably emphasizing there? His manhood, right? His humanity. So he's talking about how he is a human being. And so Jesus Christ, all the time he uses Jesus Christ in this letter, emphasizing Jesus' humanity and his service to God here, right? But he adds on that Jesus is risen from the dead and descendant of David. Um, when I first was reading through this, I was like, nice. Those are true, right? Good. And then it kind of went on. But this is a letter, not a worship song, right? It's not just like he's just proclaiming these good things about He has a purpose behind saying these things. And um, we're going to see that this passage has a theme of the resurrection and rewards. Right? So Christ rose from the grave, and he's going to be king of kings. Right? He'll be richly rewarded after he suffered faithfully. <clears throat> so here's Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says this. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because Christ suffered and was obedient right, in his humanity, God highly exalted him above every other name. He's fully God, fully man, submitted himself to the Father's will. He said, not my will be done, but your will. He was in the garden um, Gethsemane. And so he was highly exalted after this sacrifice. Right? And we see that same idea portrayed throughout Scripture for us as well. Whenever we live, lay down our lives for service, we'll be rewarded for that service. Um, resurrection rewards. So what's so important about Jesus being the descendant of David? Was it prophesied about? Was it prophesied about? Oh, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, it was, right? In fact, it's called the Davidic Covenant. Where's that found? Yes, good. Second Samuel 7, right? The Davidic Covenant. This is the, it says the descendant of David will rule on the throne forever, right? And so God promises that the descendant will rule on the throne forever. Well, who was um, David's son who ruled on the throne? Solomon. Solomon. Is he still on the throne? Well, it wasn't Solomon, right? Who was Solomon's son? No, just, they've all died, right? I can go through the whole, right, the whole way. <clears throat> but the seed of David, right, is Jesus Christ. He is the promised one who will reign forever. Because he rose from the grave never to die again. A lot of people rose from the grave in the Bible. Right? They were raised from the, from the grave. And then what happened to them? They're not just like still walking around in our midst today. right? Like they died again. But he rose to never die again. And so he is the one who will reign forever. And when Jesus returns to the earth, he's going to set up his kingdom. You see this in um, Revelation uh, 19 and 20, right? And other places throughout Scripture, Matthew and stuff. He's going to reign, um, he's going to reign, set up his kingdom. And when that happens, he's going to give believers responsibilities in the kingdom. So how we live now affects what responsibility we're given later. So Christ will return to rule and to reign, and how we serve him now determines how we're going to serve him then. Right? Um, when we're faithful with little, God will put us in charge over much. When you see where that comes from in Scripture, you see that it's, it's talking about this leader, this master over house, has servants. He gives to each one a certain amount of money, and then he leaves to go become king after a long time, and then comes back and is like, what have you done with what I've given you? And then some of them were faithful. I'm like, great, faithful with little. Now you'll be faithful. I'll give you much to be over, right? 
Um, so we can see that like that's a very clear when we're looking at that now. We know that Christ has gone, right? Come king, he's gonna come back and he's gonna come to rule and reign. But he's gonna deal with us first, right? He's actually gonna come deal with us first. If you're if you're interested more about this, there's actually a podcast that's going tonight um, at six that's gonna cover more about this rewards. It's, it's not a podcast like this is a Bible lesson, right? It's going to be actually me and Josiah talking about a passage about rewards, a passage I just talked about. And so it's called Cornerstone Chats. So if it's pretty easy to remember, hopefully, because we are Cornerstone. It's chill, like I said, but it's going to cover more about rewards. Um, so if you're curious about that, we're not going to have time this morning to go over that. Um, but remembering Christ's sacrifice and the fact that he's going to reign will encourage us as believers to act like a soldier, like an athlete, and like a farmer. Right? We talked about last week. And so, um, remembering who Christ is, what he has done, and the fact that if we live for him, we will also reign with him. We'll encourage us. So, he's talking about all this morning. So, Paul says, according to my gospel, right? Well, now we don't know the gospel, right? He had his own gospel. He had for himself. He didn't tell anyone about it, right? I mean, is that correct? No, right? So, why does he say my gospel then, right? Where did Paul get the gospel from? Christ, right? He's an apostle. He means the one sent with authority. And so his gospel is from God. He's reminding Timothy, like, hey, like, Christ told me this, and I'm telling you this, right? Um, meaning it was sent with authority from Christ. It's his gospel, but also it's our gospel. Right? It's our good news. It means good news. And good news is that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, and he's the rightful heir to an eternal throne. And we are the king's children as believers. And so there's opportunities for, for um, serving alongside him. And we're going to see that more this morning. <clears throat> Look how it continues. He says, For my gospel, um, verse 9, For which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. So Paul suffers hardship for the good news, so much so that he's being imprisoned. But this is the reason why he keeps going. Right? He keeps going. He, he remembers Christ's death and Christ's resurrection, and that Christ is the rightful heir to an eternal throne. This word for criminal here um, is a harsher word than the one it used to describe the, the thieves and the people on the other side of Christ, right? Um, when Christ was being uh, crucified, there was criminals on either side of him. There's a word used there for criminals. This is a harsher word for criminal than that, right? It's just seen as, like, terrible. In fact, Christians were seen as, like, there was a big punishment for Christians. I mean, Paul's going to be put to death. He, he's, he's aware of that later on in 2 Timothy. He talks about that. But this word is a harsh word, a huge crime to be seen as Christian in this culture. And Paul is like the man in Christianity, not going to lie at this time, right? He's like, he's the, the cream of the crop. He's the top. He is there. And he's in prison. And eventually he's going to be killed. I guess it's the end of the ministry, right? That's it. Paul's gone. No, right? We're a testament because we're here to the fact that the word of God can't be in prison, right? It keeps going. It continues to go out and it's passed on no matter how many you imprison, how many you kill. It keeps on going. The truth is that Christianity thrives in persecution. And I think this passage explains why. Because you know that death is not the end and that your suffering isn't in vain. You're going to be rewarded for it. There will be a resurrection and you'll be rewarded for the suffering that you went through. Um, this is a, a kind of a cool way to put it, but you can chain the evangelist, but you can't chain the gospel. Ultimately. You can chain the evangelist, you can't chain his message. It's going to keep going out. In fact, the first time Paul was imprisoned, um, how was this different than the second time? He was, in a house. he was like under house arrest, right? 
He had his own house to himself. He just couldn't leave. He had guards that would come right, the first time, and um, they would come to him. And he actually preached the gospel to all the guards. <laughs> and all the Praetorian guards knew the gospel because he was telling all of them about this. And then where is Paul now? Well, not now. Sorry. Where is Paul when he's writing this, right? <laughs> Basically the dungeon, right? Like I said before, the historians have said, like, this is about as dungeon as you can get for a prison uh, in Roman times. And so he's in a very dark, dingy place. But the message is still going, right? The word of God is not imprisoned. It keeps on changing lives. It keeps on doing things. You can chain an evangelist. You can't chain the message. In the same way, they can stop us from... from um, being able to reach as many people necessarily, so to speak, but the gospel can still be proclaimed, right? It's still going to keep going. If we have some huge gospel leader in the world right now that was just like killed or died, it's not like, oh, well, there goes all of the ministry, right? Because the gospel keeps on going. The word of God is alive, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So he says, <clears throat> I suffer hardship to the point of a criminal. He's seen as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Kind of goes on to this little this side note, like, but the word of God is still going on. It's still powerful. Don't worry about me being in prison because work is still being done. And part of that is the work being done, 2 Timothy 2, 2, right? Teaching these truths to faithful people who will teach others. And then he goes on, he says, For this reason I endure all things, in verse 10, for the sake of those who were chosen, so that they may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Paul endures all these things for the purpose of the church. This word chosen or elect, maybe you have in your Bible, um, is always used in reference to those who have believed, right? referencing the church, ultimately. So he's suffering for the sake of believers. Right? Here's, here's a quote of kind of explaining this, because we see the word chosen or elect, and we're like, <laughs> right, what does that mean? Um, but here's a kind of a quote from Joseph C. Dillow. He says, first of all, in every use of the term chosen applied to man in the New Testament, it always refers to a justified, a declared righteous saint. Conversely, it never refers to someone who was elect in eternity past but has not yet entered into the purpose of their election, justification. Some big words there. But basically saying it's always those who have already been saved, right? already placed their faith in Christ and are declared righteous whenever it says the word chosen in the New Testament. That's what it's talking about. It's never like, well, this person was chosen to save, but they haven't been saved yet. They're just kind of, it's not their time yet. God hasn't predestined them to be saved at this point. It's always referring to people who are already saved, already, already in the church, already justified. Um, so it's the first people who have already believed, who are chosen to be God's servants here on earth. Right? We're set apart as believers. That's our, our Tuesday night study is set apart. And so when we're set apart as believers, we are set apart to be Serving God. We're chosen to be God's servant. So Paul's motivation for all this service is on the behalf of believers. He wants two things. Obtain salvation and for them to obtain eternal glory. So obtain salvation, not place their faith in Christ, and then obtain eternal glory. What does this sound like? Resurrection and rewards, right? Obtain eternal life so they'll be raised up with a, a perfect body and then they'll obtain eternal glory, rewards, right? Being rewarded in Christ. He strives not only for their salvation, but also for their sanctification. Right? Um, sanctification just means like it's our Christian walk, it's being made more like Christ. Not being declared righteous only before God, but they will live a life of righteousness. The Christian life begins at salvation. But there's so much more after that. Right? We're called to stand strong. Right? The purpose of this, of this letter he writes. And our purpose is also twofold. right? Salvation and obtaining glory 
for ourselves, ultimately, and then also for others. We want others to obtain salvation, to place their faith in Christ for eternal life, and then to also live a faithful life so they can be rewarded by God. Our motivation is that we as believers would stand strong in this life so that we can reign with Christ later. And this goes, I mean, it goes so well with so many different parts of Scripture, but especially Romans 8. It says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's awarded, to be revealed to us. And so first of all, this last verse I really like. The little bit of suffering we go through now is nothing compared to the glory that we can get from enduring that suffering. And we're children of God. Right? It says in verse 17 that if we are children, we are heirs. Right? And so there's different classes, so to speak, of ifs in the Greek, the language is written in. There's first class if, which I think I actually have a slide on this. I'm not actually going to go into this. Actually, I don't. Okay. Um, this first class Hold on, do I? <laughs> Not the right one. But um, first class if says, if and it's true. There's a second class if that you don't really see very often, and it's like if and it's not true. And there's a third class if, and it means if, <laughs> basically, right? Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. The third class, the three classes of ifs that we have in Greek. Um, this one here, right? And if children, heirs, all, this is a first class if. And so it really means since, right? Since if, and it's true, since we're children, we're also heirs, right? So we are heirs, we're, we're children of the king, right? We place our faith in Christ. But then it heirs also, uh, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. This if is a third class if. Right? So this means if and maybe. right? If we suffer or if we don't. right? It's dependent upon us, ultimately. So if indeed we suffer with him, so it may be also glorified with him. So we also may be in, um, uh, have the glory, right? the eternal glory we see in 2 Timothy, verse 10. So if we are children, and we are, then we're also heirs. So we're heirs, right? And we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, right? Christ is going to come to rule and to reign. Remember, he's a descendant of David. He's going to come rule and reign. And we will fellow heirs with him, right? We'll be reigning with him if we suffer with him. So we'll be also glorified with him. That's dependent, right? That's a maybe there. So we want to make sure that when we suffer with him, that we'll be fellow heirs with him. We'll enter into the kingdom either way. We're going to enter the kingdom in some way, as in we're going to be there. I think there's going to be some form of service that everyone's going to have. Everyone. But where you're serving and how you're serving is very different depending on how we live in this life. So, Paul's motivation for suffering is so that people would be saved and then would be fellow heirs of Christ. This is salvation and eternal glory. This is resurrection and rewards. This is why he brings up at the beginning, the first verse, he brings up Christ risen from the dead and a descendant of David. Those two things are key to this passage. So, what is our motivation to live the Christian life then? Are we suffering with Christ in our own lives? Are we like a farmer, consistently planting the seeds and watering our spiritual life? Do we want to reign alongside Christ? Are we focused on helping others come to faith in Christ 
and then building them up so they too can be fellow heirs with Christ. All those are motivations. So definitely Paul's motivations, right? He's like, this is why I'm enduring this suffering so that other people can have this salvation and then have this eternal glory. That's why he's suffering. That's why he's going through this. So now Paul quotes a common phrase at this time. Or maybe he adapts the situation. I don't know how it is, but um, either way, it's a good little phrase. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Something to understand here, right? Remember, the ifs come in handy. Every if here, if I had to take a guess on myself what they would mean, I'd have very different things, thoughts, than what the Greek actually says. Every single if, first class if, right? In this scenario, which means if and it's true, right? Since is what that means. So when we're looking at this and we say, for if we died with him, really we could say, since we died with him, we will also live with him. Since we endure, we will also reign. Since we deny, he'll also deny us. Since we're faithless, he remains faithful, he can't deny himself. Okay? That's really what this is saying. It's if and it's true. Um, so, let's dive into this. Right? Um, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. This is a common theme throughout Scripture. We saw that, or we see it in Romans and everything. Um, Paul is focusing on encouraging Timothy to stand strong. Right? By telling him to remember, Christ is going to raise us up. Right? We will We've died with him, we're identified with his death, and he's going to raise us up, and so we will reign with him. Romans 6, 8 through 9 says this. Now, if we have died with Christ, what kind of if you think that is? Yes, right, since, right? This is a first class if. So since we have died with Christ, we also believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer a master over them. So we've died with him, he's been raised for eternal life, we're also going to be raised for eternity. So this theme here is in Romans, also in Colossians 3. We see our life is hidden with Christ on high, um, and so many other places. We have this newness of life. So since we've died with Christ, we'll also live with him. That's good news of the gospel. That's an encouragement to stand strong, is that, okay, I may be persecuted, I may be killed, but that's okay. I'm going to have a better body, a better life. Some of y'all are like, my body's not going to change very much, right? Um, No, but we're going to have an actual perfect body, no more pain, no more sorrow, be raised again with Christ because we're placed in Christ and we believe. That's the good news of the gospel. But wait, there's more. Um, The good news doesn't stop there. It says, if we endure in this life, faithfully living for God, we will also reign with Him. If we endure, we'll also reign with Him. Luke 19 is a great passage. We don't have time to look over. That talks about this. You should go look over it later, right? Definitely. Luke 19 and or Listen to the podcast, Dropping Tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, it just happens to coincide with this. Um, so it, it talks about that passage. We talk about that passage a lot. So we have, um, if we endure, we'll also reign. Right? If we endure trials like he does, like Paul does, where we're still living for God, we're not letting the world tell us what to do and be timid and be afraid of um, people making fun of us, people not liking us, people doing whatever, then if we instead stand strong for Christ, and we are enduring this, then we'll also reign with him. Next we have, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Well, that sounds scary, right? <laughs> um, the scarier part is that it's a first-class if, right? Since we deny him, he will deny us. Okay, so that means all people, remember, it's a we here, including Paul, deny God. Therefore, no one's saved, right? 
that doesn't sound right. <laughs> We're like, okay, something has to be different than what that's. That can't be what it's saying. Um, doesn't seem to make sense. So what we have to do here is we need to interpret this kind of confusing part of Scripture with Scripture that's not confusing, right? Interpret the unclear with the clear. So we know from verses like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, and no one may boast. So we believe in Him, not by our works, and we're just saved. And we're given eternal life. Um, we have Ephesians 1, 15 and 14 says, When you believed and heard the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as a down payment for our future inheritance, right? When you believed, past tense, you were sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So we have eternal life that moment. You will never perish, have eternal life. So we have eternal life the moment we believe. Um, that's what the next verse actually says. It says, If we're faithless, God remains faithful. He promised eternal life. He can't deny himself. Therefore, what could this denying be talking about then? Right? If it's not saying denying as in like we are no longer saved because that just doesn't line up with what we see in the scripture at all, then what is this denying talking about? What do y'all think? What? Rewards? Yeah, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> okay, so yeah, maybe that's what it is, right? Maybe it's denying this endurance in the verse right above it, right? Instead of enduring, we instead deny that, right? The same thing Paul talked about. I think also this is a, this is a chiastic. Anyone know what a chiastic is? Is that a yes or is that a no or is that a murmur? It's a muscle. Calf. So a chiastic, I, if I may be wrong with this. 100% wrong. I don't know. I wasn't this kind of a uh, person. Um, anybody English major that can tell us? Or? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, who, who did Dancing Queen? Abba. Abba. Nice. Um, so this is like the way that you have um, poems, right? You have like A-B-B-A or A-B-A-B, -B -B, that kind of stuff. Um, we see this a lot in scripture is that they, they make like here's a point and then here's like another point, another point, and point down here. And these kind of fit in a little bit, right? Um, so really we could even do like A, B, B, A, right? Kind of goes in. And you have these four different lines that we have here. So if we died, we'll also live, right? Died, live. The next one is, what is it? Endure. Endure, rain. Is it E I I E? E I rain. Neighbor and wait. Rain. And then this one is deny, right? Deny. So deny. And then what's this one? For faithless. Wow, I can't. Faithless. He's also faithless, right? No, right. Faithful. So here's what I think is going on here. These are talking about salvation, right? The first one and the last one. It's like a sandwich, right? And so you have, if we died with him, and we did, then we'll also live with him, right? If we're faithless, well, he said everyone's faithful kind of by himself. This deny means like, no, right? I'm going to not, um, I'm going to, let's see. Where is this? Have it somewhere in here. Um, 
the nine came. Can we talk about this this thing, right? So um, I'll go to that in a second, a little bit. But the nine, both of us will go into those definitions in a bit. But I think it's talking about salvation, salvation rewards. And so here's one of the scriptures we want to look at, and kind of just keep this in your mind, right? First Timothy. Well, we should probably look at another Timothy if we're going to look anywhere for scripture. Uh, here's what First Timothy five eight says. Whoops. I don't have it up there. Cool. Well, if you want to turn to 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay? He says, if you don't provide for your own and especially your household, you denied the faith. Now, that sounds like if you don't do this certain work, you denied the faith, right? And sometimes people will be like, you're no longer a believer anymore. Well, it actually says you're worse than an unbeliever. It doesn't say you're not a believer, or it says that you are an unbeliever. It says you're worse, because um, we see a believer can deny providing for his household, denying the faith, making him worse unbeliever. And as Christians, we've been given a set way to live, and if we deny that way to live, we deny Christ's call on our lives, right? Ephesians 2.10 says we're created in Christ for the purpose of good works. We deny that purpose then we're denying Christ's call on our lives. Right? We don't live for Christ. We deny the works he laid out before us. And so what's the consequence of denying that calling? We're denied certain rewards, right? We could have gotten a reward for living faithfully, but instead he's like, no, right? you're not going to get that. We miss out on those rewards. When we give an account of our lives to Christ, each one of us will stand before Christ, give an account of our lives. We'll see that we should have been faithful in this moment, but instead we cave to our flesh. Right? He had a work prepared for us, and we're like, no, I'm going to do what my flesh wants to do instead. And he's like, okay, if you had been there, you, you would have been able to rule over you know, Stillwater, but now you have Norman. Right? Like, you know, I, I make light of it, but really that, that's, that's what's happening here. Is that if we're denying what Christ has called for us, then we're denying that. And it's a first class if. There are times that we deny, we deny Christ's call in our lives. Right? There are times we do that. Especially us as, as a church and us as individuals. And this is interesting. Look at these tenses. Right? The, the, like the past, present, future tense. Um, died is past tense. <coughs> Live is future, right? In fact... All, I think all of them are future tense, right? So all of these are all future. We will live. We will reign. We will deny. He is faithful. This is actually present tense, but then it um, goes on. Um, I think that's actually future, but um, this is past tense. This is present. All right. Yeah. Present tense. Deny is um, future tense. And Faithless is present tense. That's interesting. Right? So we have, um, if we died with him in the past, we did. Right? We will also in the future live with him. If we endure present tense, right? He, he's having to endure this persecution right now. Um, we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, instead of go with our flesh, he'll also deny us in the future. Um, I think the reason why this is future is because Timothy's pretty faithful, right? He's living faithfully, and 2 Timothy 2.2 talks about how um, teaches the faithful men who teach others also. And so you have these faithful people he's talking to and building up. So right now they're acting faithfully. But he said if you start to deny him, then he's going to deny you those rewards. Right? Um, and then we have faithless, present, right? If we are faithless, 
he still remains faithful. He can't deny himself. We have to understand that every time we decide to deny living for Christ, we're denying Christ, ultimately. He said, do this. We're like, no, Christ, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead. He's calling us to live to him. He's prepared works for us. We decide no thanks. Instead, let's know how we should live. Right? Uh, athletes should know the rules of the race. We should know how we should live. Look at the Bible. And then choose to walk in the Spirit. We can do it in our own power to rely on God. Ask God for help to live out these things that he's called us to do. Okay, so this is denying, right? But what if we are living unfaithfully, right? What if we just, like, deny, like, stop believing, right, at that point? What about that? Look at this next verse. If we are, or this last part of it. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The word faithless has an idea of being unfaithful. Another way to translate it, right? If we are unfaithful, and we are, right? There are times we're unfaithful. God is still faithful, he can't deny himself. He promised us life. He's unable to go back on his promise. Here's what Titus 1-2 says. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Right? God promises us eternal life. And if God went back on his promise, he wouldn't be God anymore. So he has promises and he has to do it. Even if we live unfaithfully, God is still faithful because the promise he made is to himself. If he denies the promise he made to us, he's denying himself as God. The expected response after these three would be faithless, right? Decide, we'll live. We endure, we'll reign. Deny, deny. Faithless, fa faithful. Right? I think that's why this saying was like a little popular saying they had. It's because you expect one thing, but God's character doesn't allow that thing to happen. Right? If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This word faithless or unfaithful can mean two different things. It can mean to disbelieve that something is true or to be unfaithful, like lack of sense of obligation. It's used sometimes as a soldier who just doesn't do what they're supposed to do, right? being unfaithful in that way. But also, it can mean to disbelieve that something is true. So he says, even if we don't believe in God, he's still faithful. He can't deny himself. So say if God promises us eternal life, we place our faith in Him, we have eternal life, and then 10 years later we get in thinking about things, we, we go into like some weird college class as we're like 30, because all of us are like 20, um, and this professor's like, God's not real, right? That kind of stuff, and we just believe that. And we're like, you know what? I don't believe in God anymore. What happens? Does God take away our eternal life? It wouldn't be eternal if He did that. He would have promised us life for a little bit, and then Jesus would have been a liar saying you get eternal life whenever really it was just, you get a life for a little bit, and I'll take it away a little bit. So if we disbelieve that something's true, God can't just take away our salvation because he's already promised salvation to us. The, thing, the, the reason why this is being such a, a big deal here for Paul is that overall God is the faithful one. Right? He's the one who works all this out. Paul uses this word, I think, that has two different meanings because it could be either. When we're unfaithful, living unfaithfully, he's still faithful to us. And when we stop believing, right, when we're no longer, um, we're, we're, we're unfaithful or faithless, he's still faithful to us. He can't deny his character and he promised eternal life. This is different than denying God up here, right? Um, that means to refuse to consent to something. Is what this denying means. I'm going to refuse to consent to something. So Christ is like, here you go. And we're like, I'm not going to do that. Right? So that means when you say deny. This is 
either being unfaithful or not believing something is true. This is talking about either being unfaithful or being unbelieving. So, no matter what scenario, though, God's promises to us never change. Never change. So, Paul encourages Timothy to stand strong in the faith and commands Timothy to remember Christ. He is the example of faithfulness, ultimately. Like, he actually died on the cross and rose from the grave. He's the one who died on our behalf. So, that example, then he's an example of Paul as well. Um, So, here's kind of these examples that he has there. Um, Jesus suffered, was resurrected, and he will reign as the king of kings. Paul suffered. He will be resurrected. He will rise, and he will reign. Us, we suffer. There's times we're going to suffer in this life, right? We also will rise, and we will reign. But this reign part down here is going to look very different for these three groups, right? I mean, maybe for us and Paul, I don't know. Probably not, right? Uh, If we're being realistic. Um, But Jesus is going to reign as the top the head honcho, right? <laughs> head Jesus. Um, and Paul's going to reign, right? It's only for being faithful. He gave up his life. And then we also will reign, but how we serve and how we suffer now is going to determine that. Paul's motivation through all the suffering is that death is not the end. He's going to be rewarded for his service. He wants many people to know that as possible. If we died with him, we'll live with him. Since we endure, we'll also reign. Since we deny him sometimes, he's also going to deny us that part of our reign that we could have had a reward. Since we're unfaithful sometimes, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. So let God's faithfulness motivate us to live for him. We'll be rewarded for it if we do. We don't have time for application right now uh, because we're already over. um, But hopefully you got some application out of this, right? All right. So I'm going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you so much. I pray that um, we're able to see this passage, see this, um, uh, this word that you have, that we would be able to apply in our lives, that we want to be faithful and live faithfully for you and, and suffer the right way for you and the way that you've called us to, that we wouldn't deny these works you placed before us, that we would instead walk in them, God, that we'd rely on the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit, abide in you, so that we can walk in those works you prepared for us, knowing that if we suffer and we endure through them, you will reward us richly for it. Thank you.